Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Great to have you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. Phil Kessel has the only goal of the game. His fourth of the playoffs from Dumoulin and Hagelin. That was in the first period. The second period about to get started as the Penguins try to win the series in six. The Capitals try to force game seven. One nothing for the Penguins after one. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Blue Jays playing later on tonight. Jay Happ will be on the hill. He's 4-0 with a 2.50 ERA. Taking on Matt Kane for the Giants, who get this, is 0-4 with a 7.84 earned run average. Canada will play Germany at the World Hockey Championship. Of course, uh, one of the big matchups was the U.S. and Finland already at the tournament. Finland winning 3-2 in St. Petersburg. Patrick Liney and Austin Matthews going head-to-head. They are very likely going to go 1-2 at the NHL draft in Buffalo on June 24th and 25th. The first round will be on the 24th and Patrick Liney likely to go to the Winnipeg Jets. And joining me now on the line from our sister station, CJOB in the fine city of Winnipeg, it is Kelly Moore. Kelly, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? I am well, sir. And I just heard Thomas talking about the temperature and the weather conditions in Fort McMurray. And I, I just want to pass along, Reed, that uh, everywhere you go in Winnipeg, and I'll bet you it's the same way across Canada, there is a chance to donate to the cause on behalf of Fort McMurray. And uh, it, uh, I can tell you, everybody is, is on board with that. So uh, uh, to the folks uh, from Fort McMurray listening on 630 Chet tonight, uh, we're with you all the way and uh, we're giving whatever we can. Well, it's it's a stunning story, Kelly. I, I was talking about this in in the last hour of the show. I was actually away from Thursday through Monday. Now, Inside Sports, as you would expect, was was preempted Tuesday through Friday last week. But I, I was in California and seeing some photos on uh, on the internet on Twitter. And uh, you know, when you're you're in a hotel or, or sometimes you you, know, you meet people in public, you find out they're you're there you're a tourist. Where are you from? I would say 90% of people knew about those fires. I, I mean, it became really a, a, an international story because of the scope of the fire. And you probably saw the maps of the fire area that were overlaid Edmonton or the GTA or New York, and, and it's it's mind-boggling to think it was it was that large and, and the number of lives that it, it has affected. Yeah, there was a. I, I saw this fantastic tweet read from a young lady who works for Shaw. 
and she was on the phone with a fellow that has a house in Fort McMurray, and he, uh, he wanted her to ping his computer to see uh, if the house was all right, and she said she could not believe the emotion that she felt uh, when she told uh, the caller on the other end, yes, uh, we got a ping. Uh, you know, and I bet you there are just thousands and thousands of stories like that. But uh, it is amazing out of this incredible tragedy uh, how this country has rallied and will continue to rally. So it's, uh, I just wanted to pass that along. I, it was kind of interesting as I was uh, making my round shopping today. Uh, you know, it was, you know, donate here, donate there, and you're always happy to throw in a buck or a toonie wherever you go. So uh, it all adds up one or two at a time uh, when everybody on board. All right. Well, and I want to tell you that, that in an hour, I'm going to have Tom Kekka on the show. He's the head coach and general manager of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, and I don't by any means mean to suggest that what happens to the Oil Barons over the summer and the next season is as important as a lot of other things going on, but this is a sports show, so there could be some impact on how that junior hockey team is going to be able to operate in the short and medium term, and I know Tom has his own uh, personal story about evacuating Fort McMurray with, with his family uh, as well, so that's all coming up in in about an hour. Kelly, we were going to have you on the show last week, but as I mentioned, our shows were preempted, but I, I still think worth talking to you and uh, worth asking you about the reaction in Winnipeg with Jets fans. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, obviously great for Toronto, for the Maple Leafs to retain the first overall pick, but the big winners in terms of moving up were the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that at all, Reed. especially in this year uh, of all years to, to have that happen. You know, it's kind of interesting because at his uh, end-of-the-season media availability, one of the things Kevin Chevaldayoff talked about was if they were somehow able uh, to uh, have a little luck uh, at the uh, draft lottery, how it could expedite the draft and development process. And let's, let's just say I think uh, it has been expedited uh, with Patrick Lyon. And there's no doubt in my mind, as much as there's posturing going on out there, and it will wait up until June 24th, uh, shortly after 5.05 Edmonton time, uh, when uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs finally step up to the mic and confirm that they are going to take Austin Matthews, because they obviously have to have a number one center. Uh, and just the same thing as Kevin Chevaldayoff is saying, well, you know, we, we like Lyon, but pull your Yarvies out there too. Well, they're going to take Patrick Lyon, like, <laughs> who are they trying to fool so uh yeah it, it was euphoria it was incredible the wave that swept this city uh when the jets even even when they made it to the the, the final three read because then you know you know all of a sudden and no disrespect to the kids that are going to take and be taken from the fourth pick on but there are three very special players in this draft and when you weren't a part of that and all of a sudden you are you can imagine uh, how happy the hockey fans here were kelly moore joining us from cjob in uh winnipeg talking a little bit about what's ahead here for the winnipeg jets i, I mean you make the the safe assumption as as, as i have that they'll take patrick line with that with that second pick uh, I mean, look, they locked up Bufflin. They they traded Andrew Ladd, obviously, at the deadline. Certainly, when you're in the playoffs and then you drop out of them, and let's face it, Kelly, they, they dropped well out of them. I mean, we knew certainly as we got into the new year that, that it didn't look good for them. What are some other priorities for the Winnipeg Jets? And, and, I, and I say this covering a team where 
I know the defense is the priority for the Oilers, but there are other holes to fix. And I'm sure Jets fans listening are saying, well, one or two guys aren't going to solve all our problems. But what do you sense the priority is for Shovel Day Off? Well, I still think that you know their their priority is to draft and develop Reed. They're they're not going to take a shortcut on that at all. Uh, and and you know Patrick Lyonnais and Kyle Connor are are going to make a difference. Uh, whether they make enough of a difference uh, for Winnipeg to address its shortcomings, uh, that remains to be seen. But there are still some things that this hockey club struggles with. You know, it's been well documented how their penalty killing and their power play did them in. And regional, there were a lot of nights where the Jets were just a goal away. You know, they did not have, I could count on one hand, the number of games where you could say they came up with a real El Stinkeroo and they just weren't there. They were, they were pretty well there in, in every game. So they are not that far off. But, the, you know, the other, the other thing I think they need to do, too, is they need to inject some skill uh, in, into their fourth line. I think they're pretty happy with where they sit, you know, when, they, when you add a Lion A and you think that Kyle Connor might be able to make the jump from U.S. College Hockey to the National Hockey League. And uh, certainly, you know, the two games that I watched him play over at the World Championship Tournament, boy, is he, he has NHL speed. So they they have injected skill into the top end of their lineup. I, I don't think they're that bad defensively. When you take a look at their top four on defense, I think they measure up. So it, it, the one thing that they start too often, though, is without the puck. Uh, they have traditionally, going back to the days in Atlanta, have always been in the bottom third of the National Hockey League when it comes to face-off percentage. Their number one setter, Mark Shifley, uh, that if there's one shortcut Coming to his game, it's uh, he's very weak in the face-off circle. He's trying to get better, but he has a ways to go. You know, Brian Little is their best face-off man, uh, and then Adam Lowry, uh, their third setter, is, is starting to get better. So th- that's an area too. You know, I'm sure you've watched it yourself. When you're starting without the puck, uh, the game's a whole lot harder to play than when you have it. So I think those are some of the key areas. You know, and even I can't remember if it was Paul Maurice or, or Kevin Shoveldayoff Reed that. Uh, uh, that did say if they thought there was a free agent who could help them in a certain area, they didn't specify what the area was. But I'm thinking, boy, if it's a guy that uh, you know has a pretty good pedigree when it comes to winning faceoffs, uh, he might be a guy the Winnipeg Jets uh, uh, take a look at come July the first. Kelly Moore from CJOB in Winnipeg joining us, and I do just want to jump in with this bit of news, and it is. The Saskatchewan Roughriders, the team taking the chance on David Onyemata out of the University of Manitoba, final pick in the fourth round, 35th overall. Uh, This is the funny thing about the Canadian Football League draft. The top-ranked player has just gone 35th overall, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when did Covington go last year? Was it somewhere in the 40s, I think, Reed? Was he uh, that by the low? BC yeah, line? you might be right. Yeah, I think he was about 43rd or something like that. And so I kind of thought, you know, is that kind of where the bar is set? On, on a kid like Onyemata, but you know, look at the uh, the Eskimos' first two picks in the draft. You know, Tevon Smith and Arjun Colvin. You know, it, it, will those kids stick in the National Football League, or will the Edmonton Eskimos come out? Uh, you know, looking pretty good on that. I guess only time will tell. But uh, uh, I, I know uh, uh, Kyle Walters, the Winnipeg Blue Bomber.
Farmers GM was asked about that on Friday during his final media availability, and he said every team has their line where they're going to take a look and say, okay, the guy that we are going to take in the fourth round, what are his chances of playing measured against the risk that we're going to take on David Onyemata? And obviously, you know, Chris Jones in Saskatchewan got to the 35th pick and thought, well, we don't think the guy that's on our board right now uh, has as good a chance to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as we think Onyemata might uh, in, who knows, four, five years from now, maybe three, four months. So well, that's, that's a good point. I mean, you know teams have the percentage. And, and what was interesting for me is uh, I, I've, I've been to the last two NHL drafts in person, and how often you see GMs looking at or even showing to each other the charts they have, right? That might right, say yeah, a yeah. guy drafted in this position historically has reached the NHL 8% of the time. So I'm going to give you this pick for two picks that have a 4 and 5% chance, so 9% combined. Of giving, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm sure, yeah, the, I'm sure yeah. the Riders and, and the Eskimos and all those teams uh, have that intel. Uh, Kelly, before I, before I, uh, I, I let you go, uh, I should ju- uh, just wrap up some thoughts here um, uh, with, the, uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. Are they going to be, I mean, you mentioned that they, they want to get uh, a center, win more face-offs. Now, that's obviously easier said than done because even good face-off teams are going to be greedy and uh, want more of that. Um, they got some RFAs. Uh, I guess, man, a lot more RFAs to worry about than UFAs, eh? Oh, for sure, yeah. Their uh, their unrestricted free agent issue is really non uh, a non-issue. You know, starting an order of, of importance, I would say, you know, it goes Mark Shifley, Jacob Truba, Adam Lowry, uh, Joel Armia, and I think that Michael Hutchinson is probably still on the radar, but he's nowhere near where he was in the pecking order at the start of the season. And I still believe, uh, and again, you know, Kevin Shovelayoff doesn't invite me into his office and share his strategy with me, but past performance would indicate, Reed, that these guys will get signed to bridge contracts with the idea uh, that, uh, you know, you have to keep your, your payroll and your future payroll in line. So you can't all of a sudden be handing out 6 and $7 million contracts like they're uh, candy canes hanging on a Christmas tree. I, you know, <laughs> they, have, they've, they have certainly uh, received more than their money's worth from Shifley and Truba uh, during their entry-level contracts, so they have to give some of that back. Uh, but I, I, would, I would think that... Uh, they're probably uh, at a point where they're looking at, you know, two-year deals, uh, whether it's four, four and a half million, and then you get, you know, the six and a half to seven million dollar long-term deal. Because let's face it, the the, the rules of the collective bargaining agreement, uh, Reed, give you the ability to retain these players till they're 30 or 31 years old. So why would you give that up by signing them to a six- or seven-year deal when they're only 22 or 23 and you lose them before they're 30 years old? I don't know. Just my philosophy anyway. Yeah, for sure. Got you there. Kelly, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, i, I got to say, from a, from a Canadian standpoint, don't mind at all that the that the Jets moved up. I know that was the Oilers' quote-unquote spot if there, if there uh, wasn't a lottery, but I, I don't want another year with seven teams uh, out of the playoffs. That's for sure. Thanks for making oh. time for me. Uh, you bet, Reed. Anytime and uh, all the best to the folks uh, in Fort McMurray. We're pulling for all of you. Thanks a lot. That is Kelly Moore from CJOB 
in Winnipeg. Certainly a slam dunk that Line is going to be their guy at number two. Second period in Pittsburgh. Penguins on the power play, and they're up one nothing. Sorry? Oh, a four-minute power play. Thanks, uh, Tom Davies. Our chief engineer is here making sure I don't break the equipment as we're live from Commonwealth Stadium. They're on a four-minute power play and up one nothing with 13 minutes left in the second period. Speaking of uh, the help for Fort McMurray, we'll talk to Chris O'Leary, Fort McMurray native, used to cover the Edmonton Eskimos. He's now with the Toronto Star, wrote a great piece about growing up in Fort McMurray. Tom Kekka is the head coach and GM of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. He'll join us as Kessel scores his second of the game, and the Penguins take a 2-0 lead, and they move another goal, another second closer to eliminating the Washington Capitals. But Chorus Radio had this Feed the Fort campaign, and I can tell you that just under 211,000 pounds of food, water, and toiletries donated by uh, listeners of Ched, iNews 880, and Country, and uh, Fresh Radio. Pretty pretty amazing stuff. So thank you. Uh, I mean, more help is going to be needed, obviously, for a lot of the evacuees, but uh, that, is a, that is a huge step in the right direction and just shows the generosity of Edmontonians and Albertans. 721, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. We'll be- You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Well, how about this? Now 3-0 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Brooks Orpik took a four-minute double minor for high-sticking Patrick Hornquist at 625. Of the second period, Phil Kessel scored on the power play from Latang and Kunitz at 7.05. Then Haglin, just 33 seconds later at 7.38, assists to Olimata. So Orpik, who was uh, suspended earlier in the playoffs, remember, takes a double minor tonight. The Penguins score on both. And it could be good night for my preseason and pre-playoff pick to win the Stanley Cup. 11 minutes left in the second period. 3-0 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I want to remind you this portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace. Action Furnace is home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. This is the only NHL game tonight. Game 7 tomorrow. Dallas and St. Louis. Game 7 on Thursday night between Nashville and San Jose. Other news today, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, the first ever unanimous MVP of the National Basketball Association. It's uh, funny, Dustin Nielsen, who uh, if, you, if you listen to uh, sports radio a lot, uh, you know from being on a morning show on another station. We've known each other a long time, and, and I saw him here at the CFL draft, and he was saying, you know, he said something on Twitter earlier, which is never good for getting your full thought across. And I said, Dustin, are you upset that Curry was the MVP or that he was a unanimous MVP? And he said, well, there's always that one guy. There's always that one or the one or two sports writers out of the 130 who vote who says, oh, no, I think it's this guy. So it's, it's rarely unanimous because somebody always has to be different. And he said, you know, Jordan was never unanimous. And even we, we start talking about Ken Griffey Jr., who was not a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer when he was voted in recently. And, I mean, how is how can you make an argument that Ken Well, he's going to wait to the second ballot. I mean, it just makes no sense. Just vote the guy in. So I, I guess Dustin has a good point. Steph Curry 
Yeah, I guess he convinced everybody. He was that good. Chris O'Leary to talk about Fort McMurray when we get back. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, well, so far for the Edmonton Eskimos at the CFL Draft, it has been two defensive backs and a wide receiver. At eighth overall, the Eskimos took wide receiver Devon Smith out of Iowa. Exciting player, a deep threat. 6'2", 200 pounds. If you go to my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, you will see a video of him setting a world record for making one-handed catches in a minute. Kind of amusing stuff. At 17th overall, they took Arjun Calhoun, a defensive back out of Michigan State. He's a native of Windsor, Ontario. In uh, round 5, 44th overall, they have taken Josh Woodman a defensive back out of Western Ontario. So uh, of three players taken, two out of the NCAA and uh, now one out of the CIS. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630. Chad, so good to have you along for the ride tonight. And I'm so happy to talk to uh, an old friend, a man who when I first met him, I accidentally called him Sean for the entire duration of a 15-minute interview. We've told that story a few times. It is Chris O'Leary, formerly of the Edmonton Journal, now with the uh, Toronto Star. Chris, great to have you back on the show. Hey, it's good to talk to you, Reed. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, uh, I mean, we want to talk a little bit about your, your new adventures in, in Toronto. It was such a great career move for you. But you wrote uh, a great piece a few days ago, back on Friday, about basically growing up in, in Fort McMurray and a bit of the emotional impact that uh, the fires have had on you. Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been weird, especially just uh, I've been in Toronto now for, uh, actually, I think it was like seven months to the day when uh, the fires really kind of took off in Fort Mac, and uh, so it was kind of especially weird to just sit back from, from so far and just watch all this stuff happen. I was getting updates from my family. I have uh, my sister, her husband, and their three kids are there, and then my parents are still there as well. And uh, so I was getting information from them and just seeing things on Twitter and on the news, and uh, yeah, it was it was just very strange and just uh, almost, yeah, almost kind of surreal just to think that uh, you know, I think like anybody, like the place you grew up, and uh, just to hear about, I think especially when you grow up in a small town, it's just so weird to hear about like the specifics of that small town on a national stage, and then I, mean, I think even in the last few days on kind of like a, almost a global stage, really, where um, you know people are talking about neighborhoods like Sickwood and Abbotstown and Beacon Hill and stuff, and these are just places that you know like we used to, you know I played hockey in Beacon Hill when I was a kid, and uh, yeah, just just very strange to uh, hear about them and just hear about them in such a bad context it was uh just very difficult i mean i i mean i know that anyone that's there now and going through it is going through something much more serious and and more profound but uh just very weird to sit back from here and just kind of uh experience that uh i i mean do, do your family members your parents and 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 your sister do they know about the the state of their homes were they lucky here or are they still waiting uh they've been lucky so far um i think each of them have had moments though where they kind of they thought everything was gone. Uh, I think the first night my sister sent us a picture where um, they kind of live behind uh, Father Mercury High School, and there was a picture of the school, and then you know we could see the flames kind of behind it, and uh, you know she she was just like, "There's no way the house is still there," and uh, you know they, they've been very lucky, and it, and it is it's still there. And the same deal with my parents; uh, they live in the Prospect neighborhood in Kimberley, and uh, I think they've only been there uh, well, probably less than five years, and 
same, same sort of deal uh, when they announced that the, the prospect area was hit very hard. Uh, you know, I started just sort of combing through Twitter and seeing what I could find, and I think I saw within a kilometer, you know, just blocks of homes that were just wiped out. And, uh, you know, that, that didn't bode well. And you're in that weird spot where I'm like, I don't know if I want to break that to my parents and then or worry them if there is nothing to worry about. You know, we, we've been very fortunate uh, to this point. And, uh, you know, I think it sounds like the city's in a more fortunate spot now where the fire is sort of still growing but has moved away from the city. And I think the homes, it seems like, are, are out of danger for now. But, uh, yeah, it's been hard. I mean, and I think a lot of people have gone through that just sort of waiting to see, you know, you're okay today, but you're, you're waiting on the next update and just kind of, you know, hoping the wind doesn't change and things like that and that it cools off. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to kind of go through. You know, I, I feel for all the people there and, uh, you know, and just watching my family too. It's, it's, it's a, a tough situation. Tell me a little bit about the piece that you wrote for the Toronto Star. And, and I, I also want to ask you, and, uh, I, I mean, I, like, I know to some extent this might sound like a silly question because the short answer might be, well, I, I have a job to do and I do it. But was there any reluctance on, on your bosses to ask you to write something or any reluctance on you to write something? Because, uh, I mean, you weren't just reporting the news. It was a very personal and, and tragic thing to, to write about. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was a little bit reluctant. They asked me to do it, and I, mean, I think otherwise I wouldn't have pitched it. I mean, I, I think personally, being so far removed from it, and you know, I haven't lived in Fort McMurray for a long time. I grew up there, and I, I moved away in, uh, I think it would have been 2002, and then I was in Edmonton for really for about 13 years until I came out here. But, um, but I mean, it was always close by, and, you know, it's just a four-hour drive away. My family was constantly down, and uh, I was out there twice last year for work with the Eskimos when, uh, when they had probably played out there for the preseason and their season opener. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, like, I wouldn't have pushed to do it myself. They asked me to, to do it. I kind of put something together, and I just said, basically, this is sort of what I've got. If, um, you know, if, if you don't like it, if you don't want to run it, that's fine. But I didn't really think of any other way that I could approach it or would want to approach it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult. But, um, I mean, I find in those sorts of things, I always just think, like, just be honest, you know, and, and just sort of dive into it, try not to think about the audience that you're – you're writing for and just sort of kind of write what's in your head and your heart and uh, just kind of see where it takes you. Yeah, for sure. Chris O'Leary joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He's now with the uh, Toronto Star. You read him for several years in the pages of the uh, Edmonton Journal, uh, spent several seasons covering the uh, team that plays in the stadium I'm in now, Chris. I'm, I'm looking over the Commonwealth Stadium field from the south end zone right now. The CFL draft is going on. Before the interview there, I, I rattled off the uh, picks the Eskimos made. The CFL draft is is, is an interesting beast because the number yeah. one ranked guy went with the last pick of uh, the fourth round. And I was saying to Morley earlier, uh, football in this country, I think, has come a long way. The CFL draft is no longer a collection of offensive linemen, kickers, and fullbacks, right? I mean, the, yeah. the Eskimos have taken two DBs and a wide receiver who could, at least the first two guys, could probably step into the CFL right now and play. The question is... Are, are they going to? And, and that's the the plus side of the Canadian game growing, but yeah. also the, the tough side as well. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I started covering these guys in, uh, it was in 2011 season. And I just think about how it's changed even since then. I think, you know, it was almost, the, there was like one or two guys that you would think, you know, you might not see him in the CFL if he's drafted. But more often than not, you could, I think if you were GM, you could sort of draft confidently and, uh, and think, you know, within – 
you know, maybe by September or like within a year or two, you know, we'll have this guy. But uh, that's really, that's really not the case anymore. And like you said, it's it's good for Canadian football players, but probably not so good for the Canadian Football League. And uh, and it's it's interesting to me that um, I mean, Ed, Ed Hervey made the choice that he did in in the first round, going back into a situation that he was in a couple of years ago with uh, Stefan Charles. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a gamble that seems like it didn't really work out for for them. Worked out for Charles. He's still in the NFL. But uh, you know, I think. That's probably one of the hardest things to have to do as a scout or a GM in the CFL now is sort of find that guy that's just under the bar of the NFL so that you can hang on to him. And, uh, you know, you don't want him to be that exceptional that he uh, gets into the NFL and sticks and then kind of makes a career for himself. Uh, Chris, I, sh- I should touch on the Raptors with you as, as well, because I know when you went to Toronto, you were really excited to get the opportunity to to, uh, to cover some of their games. You're one of the biggest basketball fans that I've known and uh, certainly one of the most knowledgeable when it comes to the NBA. So let me be that guy and, and ask you that question. And and, and you know that I, I, I follow the team. Um, but certainly during the hockey season, I, I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty tied up with yeah. one club in, in particular. So you know, I, I have sort of a peripheral knowledge of what's going on with the Raptors, but I'm paying a lot more attention to the playoffs. And let me be that guy that asks this question from Western Canada about a team I'm not engaged <laughs> with daily in the East. Are they mentally tough enough to make it through this series? Are they mentally tough enough in general? What's going on? Uh, I mean, I, I think that we've seen a lot. I mean, to me, this has been a really frustrating playoff run for, for Toronto fans to watch. And maybe if you're a basketball fan in Canada and you're supporting the Raptors just to watch, just because it's almost like a different team game to game. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a credit to them that they've gotten this far. They're, they're two games away from the conference finals, uh, even after a, a disappointing game last night in Miami. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't been at their best really at all. And, uh, you know, and I think that they're in this point, they got past Indiana, even though it took them seven games and, you know, they're, they're here now two wins against Miami. And I think that speaks to their mental toughness, just, you know, getting, very, uh, in, I want to say, uh, incomplete efforts from uh, Rosen and Lowry. Uh, I, I mean, I think most of the time, especially in the NBA, it's just a star-driven league where if you don't get those performances from your top guys, you're done. And, uh, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of depth. I don't know if they get out of this round, but I think, you know, presuming the core of the team comes back next year, you know, I think they would be better for it, just going through the playoffs and learning what it takes. And, uh, you know, I, I think you gain a lot just from that experience of, getting in and, and making any kind of a run. Um, will they get out of this round? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot working against them, and it's, they, they need some consistency from DeRozan and Lowry. I know DeRozan's hurt now with his thumb, and, and Lowry's elbow has kind of, kind of been suspect the whole way. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I think mentally they're tough. I just I, I wonder physically if they're up to it, and then, uh, you know, they're going up against an experienced guy in Dwayne Wade, and I think that makes a big difference too. All right. Well, it has been an exciting series. Three of the games have... Uh have uh, gone overtime. And i got to say, I, I wound up watching the fourth quarter in overtime. Great game last night between Golden State and Portland. That, that, it was that, amazing. That, and that, that, that Lillard for, for Portland, he's got to be a top five guy in the league right now. I think so. And, and what's amazing is he's never been an all-star. And, you know, I think he has that chip on his shoulder that, you know, everyone kept saying, well, this is the year for sure, you know, that, uh, that, that Portland does it, but, or that, that Daniel Lillard does it. But, uh, you know, I, I think he motivation and i mean he, he kind of plays the same sort of game as steph curry and uh i mean i think portland's a, a ton of fun to watch i mean it's, it, i always recommend that if, if you're a basketball fan in any way especially living in, in western canada 
I mean, if you're going to make a basketball trip, go to Portland and, and just like <laughs> just watch those fans and be a part of that. It's it's amazing. I mean, that's my favorite place this year too of uh, being able to watch a game. It's it's awesome. All right, Chris. Well, thanks for uh, for lending us some of the uh, impact that the the Fort McMurray fire has had on on your life. I'm glad that your your family is is all right. Uh, I know thanks, some man. people have really been uh, affected by this, and it's going to be a while for them for for life to feel normal again. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, thanks a lot for your time tonight, Chris. I hope we can do this again. I'm glad you're doing a great job in Toronto. Thanks a lot, man. We we can talk anytime. Right on. That is Chris O'Leary from the Toronto Star checking in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. And I can tell you that this portion of the show is presented by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. This spring, Northlands Park is your thoroughbred racing destination. Visit northlandspark.ca. I can also tell you that with 20 seconds left in the second period, it's 3-1 Pittsburgh leading Washington. The Capitals on the board a few minutes ago with a goal by TJ Oshie. So the Capitals down 3-2 in the series, 3-1 in the game, but they get a little bit of life. Oshie's sixth on the power play from Backstrom and Ovechkin. Inside Sports on 630 Chad with Reed Wilkins. We'll continue. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Now after two periods, the Capitals did get a goal back. 3-1 Penguins leading it after 40 minutes. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630. Chet, I'm live at Commonwealth Stadium for the CFL draft. The Eskimos' latest pick at 52nd overall, Doug Corby, a wide receiver out of uh, Queens. So they've now taken two receivers and two defensive backs. He was a uh, Ontario University Association second-team all-star wide receiver in 2014 and 2015 from Burlington, Ontario. He's six foot three, 19.7 yards per, per reception last season, led the Ontario University Conference. So uh, another guy with big playability. They took Devon Smith eighth overall, who is in camp right now with the Indianapolis Colts. So we may not be seeing Devon Smith, um, but another game-breaker receiver. So uh, two game-breaking receivers taken by the Eskimos. At 17th, they took Arjun Calhoun out of Michigan State. Uh, He's a defensive back, originally from Windsor. Josh Woodman from Western Ontario, defensive back, went 44th overall. So skilled position skilled positions 
the Eskimos focusing on right now. You can text us at 630-630. The open line number is 780-496-0063. Uh, Kellen Kennedy back at the studio. Kellen, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you doing, Reid? Good. You know where the Olympics are this summer, right? Eh? Uh, Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. I had a yeah. Brazilian Uber driver. Okay. In Los Angeles, who says uh, Rio is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. I have not been. Have you ever been? Never. I'm, I'm sure there are some people listening tonight out of the... Uh, well, we only got 14 listeners, so maybe not. But I'm sure somebody we know somewhere has uh, has been to Brazil at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. All right. So, the... The Olympics in Brazil this summer. Rivaldo. Do you know who this guy is? Yeah, he's the uh, uh, goaltender for the uh, international team, right, for the soccer? Former Brazilian soccer star. There we go, yeah. Yeah. Former Brazilian soccer star. Mm -hmm. He has said, everybody, don't visit Brazil. I saw that. Just don't come. Yep. Just don't come to the Olympics. If you were traveling on making that once in a – planning on making that once-in-a-lifetime pick to Brazil – for the Olympic Games, to see the Olympic Games in person, a rare opportunity. It'd Don't be, do it. It'd be better to this, sit, sit at home is, watching this, on TV. This is a Brazilian guy. I mean, this is this would have kind of been like Patrick Waugh, for example. Yeah. Saying in 2010, everybody, don't come to Vancouver for the Olympics. Just don't come. You're risking your life. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think anybody Canadian said that. No. But... Uh, things are a little different in Brazil. They got the Zika virus. Mm-hmm. Now I'm no I'm no medicine guy. I'm no medicine man. You know I don't I don't got no doctor to nothing. Doctor Wilkins. Uh, but the Zika virus <laughs> is not good. Obviously. No, that's bad. Uh, so there's that, and then there's the crime, which is bad. The, well, the way I understand it is, if you go to Brazil, mm-hmm. you're probably losing an organ. That's what not, I've heard. And not yeah. voluntarily. Yeah. Or not to help you. And not to help you. <laughs> an internal organ, Tom yeah. Davies, chief engineer here with me at Commonwealth Stadium. You're, 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 probably, you're a... probably unwillingly donating a kidney or a liver or an eye or something. You're, you're probably waking up in a bathtub filled with ice, is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you remember when Tom Cruise got that eye transplant in Minority Report, mm-hmm. by the way? That's a classic scene. Oh. And then remember he dropped his own eyeballs and had to chase him down that... Anyway. Yeah. A little bit of comedy there from Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> so there's there's the crime and the, and the kidnapping and the stolen organs and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... There's an impeachment process against the president. Yes. So there's political upheaval. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know how much athletes and sports fans care about that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. There was, a, there was a bunch of huge international things going on in the States when Clinton was being impeached, and I don't think that really had a Yeah, but it just maybe deal, lends a little bit more to the landscape of the country. Nothing right. seems to be going well in Brazil right now. And don't forget about the polluted water. Yes. And where they want to have the Olympic triathlon, they want to swim, you know, in whatever the the bay is there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's poop in the water. There's, Let's be honest. There's more poop in the water than you should be comfortable with. They had a triathlete, I heard, uh, during a test event, end up getting sick from inhaling the water there. It was at, like, the Olympic test event earlier this year or something like that. I think we even reported it here. Right. Yeah. So so now all this is all this is happening – and a, a, 
ex-Brazilian athlete says, don't go. Mm-hmm. I just don't want you to go. <laughs> is that just me or is that bad PR for a major event in your nation? Is Would that be yeah. the exact opposite of what the Brazilian Olympic Committee wants? I think it is, yes. Yes. So, anyway... Uh, this texture says to 630, 630, every UFC fighter who is Brazilian says Brazil is corrupt. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I didn't know that. Uh, another person just says they kill in Rio. All right. And uh, Chad says, uh, Reed, how is the tequila over there at Commonwealth? I, <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with Brazil, but it's actually pretty good. Mm. Uh, you can text 630-630. Uh, we'll do a little bit more on the Fort McMurray angle with the head coach and general manager of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, Tom Kekka. Going to be great to catch up with Tom. I covered his uh, Lloydminster Bobcats teams for a bit when I was uh, working in the AGHL. Want to wish, uh, wish all the best to Lloydminster. They're hosting the RBC Cup starting on Saturday. Topher Allen texting in. He says, poop in the water. How is this different than any public pool? The difference is there's not a gold medal on the line. And no chlorine in the water either. There's no gold medal on the line in your public pool, Topher Allen. Unless you're swimming at some pretty hoity-toity public pools. I don't know. You can text 630-630. Penguins up on the Capitals. We are back after the news. Thanks for listening. Inside Sports on Chet. The best. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.